Welcome back to the Movie Babble Podcast. As always, you can check us out online at moviebabblereviews.com. And this week, you've got myself, Colin, and I'm joined by Nick as we break down the opening weekend of John Wick Chapter 3, Parabellum. Alright, so breaking down the top five this week, uh, Avengers Endgame was finally dethroned from the number one spot by John Wick Chapter 3, Parabellum, with uh, $57 And then Endgame is now in the number two spot with $29.4 this weekend domestically. Detective Pikachu is in third place with $24.8 A Dog's Journey opened up at number four with $8 And then The Hustle rounds out the top five with just a little bit over $6 So there was a lot of questioning on whether or not John Wick would be able to outgross Endgame as far as the weekend goes. And it did by quite a bit. So I know this is... A franchise that has just kind of continued to grow with each installment. And I mean, granted, there's only three at this point, but it's $57 million debut is uh, pretty, pretty big for a rated R action movie these days. Yeah, it's doing, it's doing really, really well. And I think it's something cool to see from this franchise that each, each movie in this franchise, they've grown in budget and they've also grown in just worldwide gross. So the first John Wick was it made about eighty eight million worldwide, but it was a twenty million dollar budget, so it's quadrupled its budget. So second one came, second one made had a forty million dollar budget and it made over one hundred and seventy million worldwide, and then we have this one which fifty five million dollar budget and it's already made one hundred and forty nine, so it's definitely going to make more than the second one. Like people just love John Wick, and it's. It's, there's podcasts devoted to it now, and just, there's like a cult like love for these movies. It's just it's just kind of cool to see this type of thing do really well. Uh, we don't see a lot of these anymore. These like mid budget, uh, just genre movies do just really good numbers. And I mean, it even it almost doubled John Wick Chapter Two's opening weekend, which I believe was thirty million when it came out. So. Nothing really to complain here. Lionsgate really needed this one. This is, this is a good, <laughs> good job. Good job by them. Yeah, John Wick is one of those franchises that just kind of appeared. Uh, so I worked at a movie theater when the first one came out, and I was like, "Oh, another Keanu Reeves movie." And I feel like most of America was like that. And then people yeah. saw it, and just the the action scenes really set it apart, which is really what this franchise needed. Um, I personally think that. They do a really good job world building, especially in the first one, where you kind of know what's going on, but, but you also have no idea what's going on just with all the coins and the Continental and, and everything. Um, but I'm glad to see this franchise still going pretty strong. This was the first one of the three to open at number one at the box office. It's opening weekend, uh, which is pretty big. And I mean, it dethroned Endgame, which, you know, it's a four-week-old movie at this point. It was going to happen eventually. But to see it outgross it, you know, by almost 30 million is, is really impressive. Kind of a testament to just how big these John Wick movies have gotten. Yeah, and they just, they keep getting bigger and not even just in terms of budget, but they just keep getting bigger and badder and crazier. Like this third one is just all over the place. There's samurai fights on motorcycles. John Wick has a horse at one point. They're in Casablanca and 
there's attack dogs. Like this movie is insane, and I and I really really loved it. I, it might be even be my favorite of the of the of the franchise so far, and it's and it's no spoiler to say that there there's possibilities for a fourth one. Uh, so this this franchise isn't gonna stop anytime soon. It's it's nice to see Keanu Reeves just in stuff. I I feel like everyone kind of just roots for him to do really well. They just like him a lot, and it's a, quite a bounce back from something like Replicas uh, earlier this year, <laughs> <laughs> or just he's just done a lot of straight to VOD work, and it's just fun to kind of see him. Just it's just he's just been in so many just seminal movies over the years with Matrix and Speed, and he's he's just one of those guys you'd like to see do really well. Yeah, and I'm I'm really glad to see him getting a lot of a lot of respect for this because yeah, he's he's kind of been all over the place career wise. I mean, he went from Bill and Ted to The Matrix, and then just kind of dropped off for the most part. So it's nice to see him bounce back so strongly with something like this. Yeah, and I really like the uh, the director too, Chad Stahelski, who's directed all three of these movies. And for when it seems like he's just married to this. To this franchise and he, he's said that he's gone on record and said he wants to return as long as Lionsgate will have him um, it's kind of cool this this franchise has just has just made a lot of careers and uh, his co-director on the first film David Leach has gone on to do Deadpool 2 and Atomic Blonde and Hobbs and Shaw which is coming out later this summer and it's 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 just it's just a really good feel-good story and I think Lionsgate is just really happy to see it because after Hellboy and so many other franchises they've tried to start since Twilight and the Hunger Games have gone away, like it's just nice to kind of see them get a win here. So really good on that. Yeah, and it's, it's nice the the way the franchise and you know it wasn't the only one. Uh, Marvel's Netflix shows got a lot of attention for this, but it brought a lot of um, it 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 made fight scenes more fluid and a lot less choppy, mm-hmm. and really yep. brought that back to the forefront. Which you know people I. I love not having 15 cuts to see Liam Neeson jump a fence. And so I like, <laughs> like that they, they've really brought not only that like style of fighting, but they've brought a lot of the stunt coordinators and stunt directors to the forefront. So David Leach in particular has been doing a lot of stunt work um, for the past 15, 20 years. Mm-hmm. And this really brought him to the forefront, gave him a platform and, you know, he moved on from Deadpool two. He's got Hobbs and Shaw coming out. And so he's, he's made a career for himself out of this. Yeah. And Chad Stahelski is the same way. And they were, I don't know exactly, but I, I know Chad really worked, worked hard with Keanu on the matrix. This is stunt double and stunt coordinator. And he's, he's got, and he's talked about how they, the, the cast, convened like about five or six months before they started shooting just to get all the choreography and get all the training down. They brought in people from the raid franchise to work in the John Wick three, which was really fun to see. And it's just, this movie is just more of the same of this franchise where it just gets crazier and crazier. And they show these fights just get more intricate and they still continue to have these really long takes and just should they show everything. And it is so cool to see. And it's, it's really a lot of hard work and it's really nice to see it get a lot of it pay off here. It's, this is a really good job. And as far as main box office goes, um, even it's, or just the entire box office in general this week, it's the second highest in per screen average at 14.8, uh, uh, thousand, uh, 
$14,812 per screen. So it's just doing really well. I just, it's just, it's, it's an unmitigated success. It's really great to see. Yeah. And uh, kind of moving on, speaking of success, Avengers Endgame <laughs> is still raking in millions. Um, it has the, yeah, this is its fourth week at the box office with just shy of 30 million. Uh, which to be just shy of 30 million at week number four is pretty ridiculous in and of itself. What a let cross. (laughs) It crossed avatars domestic total this week. Um, And it's, it's on its way to crossing its worldwide total. I would be very surprised if it didn't at this point. I know we've kind of speculated before and a lot of the speculation in the industry was kind of hinging on how it performed this week facing competition with John Wick and you know it didn't beat John Wick but it also doesn't really need to because it it's made several billion more than John Wick will and so yeah it's well on its way to crossing avatar yeah it's just so it's it's sitting at 2 points to a little over 2.6 billion and avatar's overall total was a little under 28 so it needs to get about 100 and 70 million more a little, a little more than that and i i could really i just don't see it not getting that at this point it's definitely going to trickle towards that in the next couple of weeks and then once it gets close enough disney is just going to keep this movie in theaters for as long as possible probably just to get that record they they do this all the time just to, part of it is just a nice little pat on the back and part of it is just showing shareholders how successful they are they they always do it when uh, films are reaching milestones like they did it last year with or two years ago I guess with a wrinkle in time which they really focused on getting that movie over a hundred a million dollars domestically they did the same thing with Ralph breaks the internet and they, they just want nice round numbers to show how great these movies have done and and I think it's no different in this case where they just they're gonna do everything possible to, for it to beat avatar and I think it's just a matter of a when rather than if so yeah, it's 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 working. I think it'll it'll get there. I think it'll get there in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, I don't think it's gonna gonna take it just a terribly long time. But yeah, it'll get there. It'll continue making money, and Disney will make even more billions off of toys and video games and however many future Marvel movies spin out of it. So yeah, and, and parks and just just everything. It's just it's, it's gonna be everywhere. <laughs> And so moving on to Detective Pikachu in the number three spot this week with 24.8 million. Um, Still a pretty decent haul for Detective Pikachu. They announced they started working on a sequel uh, this week, so no surprise there. I did get a chance to see it this week, and I thought it was good. But I think it could have been great if it wasn't constantly watering itself down to be PG. And I think they, you know, it's a detective story, and... Obviously, there's going to be twists and whatnot is what you would expect in kind of the Pokemon noir that it, it tries to be. But it, it just waters that down and over explains everything because it is meant for younger audiences. And they have to cut. They have to rein Ryan Reynolds in quite a bit. and don't really let him flourish as well as I think he could have if the movie was PG-13. Yeah, I agree. It's this movie is it's like you said, it's very, very watchable. I actually caught up with it this week as well, and I 
I hear what you're saying. I think Ryan Reynolds is probably the best part of this movie, even if he's watered down. Uh, he has he still gets some pretty good one one liners off. But you're right. There's this is like a detective story without really any type of mystery at all. Like they, these guys don't they don't really solve anything. Uh, everything just kind of gets explained to them at some point. They reach a certain point. They like stumble upon some clue. They search on that clue, and then there's just someone waiting there to kind of tell them everything that's happened. Um, so from that perspective, uh, I guess a lot of that could be, I don't know, maybe over-explain. We've seen a lot of movies try to over-explain when they're trying to position themselves towards just audiences all around the world, which makes a little sense if, because this movie is dialogue heavy and there's jokes and might be, there's just something just might not translate for people different from that speak different languages. And I think Pikachu is definitely really i mean there's pokemon in general is really big in asian markets so i wonder if that has anything to do with it but it's doing all right it's 206 million worldwide on a 150 million dollar budget um it's definitely gotta uh do a little more than that uh, i do wonder if a lot of this will hinge on how many toys are sold from this so uh i have mm-hmm. yeah i have no idea this movie is uh it's interesting i just when i was watching it i just couldn't believe that I was watching a movie called Detective Pikachu. <laughs> it's just, it's a weird, it's a weird world we live in. But yeah, this movie's doing okay. Yeah, I really enjoyed the world building element, uh, just because, you know, it's there are a lot of ways you could go with, you know, a world where humans and Pokemon are living together, and in the case of the movie, actually like harmoniously working together. And I thought they just did a phenomenal job, like bringing. They didn't bring just a ton of Pokemon into the movie, but they had some pretty recognizable ones, especially if you grew up playing the games and and were able to just kind of build everything off of that. So you never really felt overwhelmed, but you also got to see a lot of cool stuff that you know you wouldn't see outside of a Pokemon movie. So I thought that was really nice. Yeah, Rhyme, Rhyme City in the movie is really cool. It, it's mm-hmm. a really fun lived-in world, and I really like the. I think the. The set design is just really solid in this movie with the just really interesting, just neon colors really goes after that noir vibe. And they even mention one and one's on the TV when uh, Justice Smith goes into his <laughs> dad's apartment. It's it's a cool it's a cool little movie that I think have, has a ton of potential for a sequel. Uh, there, I think there's definitely a lot there and I would watch it. This movie, I just I found myself enjoying it. Ryan Reynolds is a really likable guy and. Justice Smith showed me a little something after just his just horrendous uh, character in Fallen Kingdom, which just still his screams and his blood curdling screams in that movie just still still torment me in my sleep. Um, um, maybe that's not his fault, but it just I uh, just left a mark on me. So he was pretty good, and Catherine Newton, the uh, really uh, fun journalist, is also delightful. She's from Blockers, who a lot of people saw last year, so. This movie has a lot of potential for a sequel, and I think if it does well over the next couple weeks, we'll definitely see that. Um, 54% drop isn't great in its second week, and it definitely has to do a little more, but uh, it's doing okay. We'll see. Uh, I don't, I'm not quite sure what it has left in terms of uh, foreign markets that it has to release, but um, it's yeah, it has a little bit more work to do in my, from my perspective. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, at no point in the movie was I really bored. I thought it was entertaining pretty solidly throughout. Um, it does drag on a little bit 
in some places, especially when kind of like how you mentioned, they don't ever really solve anything. They, they stumble upon people who have all the answers and then they just kind of push them onto the next person who has all the answers. Um, but one thing that you, you can see kind of how they were being smart with their budget as well, looking at just how many Pokemon are actually there. So you see a lot of Pokemon types that just kind of reappear with different people throughout the movie. Um, mm-hmm. So I thought that was kind of a smart way to still populate the world. But, you know, when 15 different people have uh, Charmanders, it's like, okay, we need a, need a little bit more diversity <laughs> here. I don't really I know what... That's funny. Or uh, what I really noticed it was with like the uh, uh, the green kind of frog one that just mm-hmm. kept popping up everywhere. Right. Um, if I was like ten years younger, I know I would remember its name. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you could you can see that. And so I thought they they did a smart job with it though, and and really built the world on without having to build the entire world. I think it was a pretty good directorial effort. Yeah, they they really gave this one. This movie has, is probably better than it had any right being. Uh, there's, oh yeah, it's just it's solid and it moves really. It moves at a really solid pace. Like you said, I it just keeps flashing things at you. So even if you don't love anything that's coming your way, you're never really bored because there's just so much stuff going on and it's never really. It's always coherent. So yeah, it's it's okay. It's a decent movie and. I saw it with a packed house, and everyone was really enjoying it. So it's we'll see, we'll see. I think this one is still uh, we still have to see what this does in future weeks. But yeah, it's it's doing our, it's doing all right. Yeah, it, it is. Uh, just one final note about it: it is the only positively reviewed uh, fresh film on Rotten Tomato that's based on a video game. So there you go. <laughs> it's a, <laughs> kind of a testament to how good or bad it should have been. Um, it is, yeah, a lot better than it has any right to be. So that is that is interesting. It's video game movies just gotta do better. I'm sorry. <laughs> I I like this movie, but Detective Pikachu shouldn't be the gold standard for anything. <laughs> the Sonic coming up, video games will peak and hit their lowest point this year. So <laughs> God, I can't wait for that pot. <laughs> I cannot I cannot wait for that pile of trash. It's gonna be so glorious. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we'll move on to number four, the movie that everyone is listening to this podcast to hear about, A Dog's Journey, opening up with $8 million. Um, Not blockbuster numbers, but for the movie that it is, not absolutely terrible. I believe this is actually a sequel as well, and so I'm not sure what the uh, the original numbers were, but it's not – I mean, it's, it's not – really doing great but it's not doing terribly either so it's got about 23 and a half million worldwide right now yeah it's it, this is a sequel it's there's been so many a dog's blank movies it's just kind of crazy to think about but uh all these movies come come from the same author i forget his name maybe bruce cameron something like that i don't know whatever uh he makes a lot of dog makes a lot of dog books and they've all been turned into movies and the original one, which was from 2017, I think, was a dog's purpose, uh, which actually was really profitable. It made it made like over 200 million worldwide, off of like a 22 million dollar budget. It's a really big hit, uh, and that and that spawned a, a dog's way home, which was earlier this year, came out in January, which I'm pretty sure isn't related to those 
two to these two movies, but it's same same author. Really likes dogs, I guess. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> and so yeah, the Dog's Journey is now the sequel to A Dog's Purpose. Dennis Quaid is back. Um, I haven't seen Dog's Purpose, uh, nor do I want to. <laughs> and now I I really don't want to see this movie either. Um, especially after seeing A Dog's Way Home, I bit the bullet for that one a few weeks a few months ago, and that was just. It was something. So, um, yeah, it's, I can't imagine this movie has a bigger budget than A Dog's Purpose. So we're looking at $22 million. Uh, It's already made that back. And it's definitely not going to be the same type of runaway hit that A Dog's Purpose was, which is it's still crazy to think about that movie was so big. But uh, this movie's doing all right. It's it's making its money. They'll it's definitely finding its audience. People just want to see cute puppies for two hours or whatever. Um, I don't know. <laughs> don't really have much to say. I'm just still fascinated that these dogs, that a dog's blank movies exist as much as they have. Yeah, I guess there's a market for it somewhere. But <laughs> yeah, there I is. I guess. Really need... it's, it's I don't know if we really needed two. <laughs> I don't know if we really needed two dogs movies within. What I think the first one was January within four ish months. Yeah, that's a crazy. That's just crazy <laughs> saturation. <laughs> like, you know, you know, the dogs, a dogs franchise needs to learn from Star Wars and space all these stuff stuff out. You know, because we got to make these dog like a dog's journey an event movie again, and you don't quite feel it after a dog's way. Out. <laughs> um, well, I remember yeah. when Marley and Me came out. That was a pretty big event film back in the day. Um, yeah. It's but yeah, dog, dog movies. People like dogs. <laughs> yeah, I was. I mean, I was obviously I was kidding a little bit with the event type thing, but yeah, it's, it's people like dogs, and we've, there's a ton of dog movies. Just look at there's like ten thousand Air Bud movies. Uh, like these people just like them. It's, they're gonna see them if you keep the costs down. They'll do all right. So I think I think that's what Universal was hoping for in this movie. So we'll see. That's doing okay. Yeah. So uh, moving on. The Hustle is in fifth place with just a little bit over six million. Also had a pretty steep drop for its second week, dropped about fifty-three point three percent. It's again, it's it's not going to be doing blockbuster numbers. It's not really doing stellar worldwide right now, seeing it about fifty million. Um, so it's it's probably not the hit that they were hoping for. United Artists was hoping to get out of it. Yeah, I I had trouble finding the pr- the production budget of this movie, but I can't imagine it's too high. So yeah, you're you, you are right there. That fifty million isn't great, especially for a an Anne Hathaway vehicle. Who's I mean, we don't have many movie stars anymore, but she's definitely one of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, if we have them anymore. Um, yeah, so fifty million isn't great, but I I can't imagine this movie cost more than maybe thirty million, maybe. Um, that's a complete guess, so I, I don't know. But uh, it's fifty million is okay for this type of movie. I'm the, I'm pretty sure this movie would have done a lot better if the reviews weren't as savage as they are. This movie's sitting at what like a seventeen percent on Rotten Tomatoes, which for a comedy is just kind of death in terms of box office. It's you. These these movies need some type of good word of mouth to really get going and um, to get that get those comedy drops from week to week. And 
Uh, this was not that. Uh, yeah, as you said, over 50%. Uh, this is not great at all. So, uh, yeah, it's uh, sorry, Rebel Wilson and Hathaway. You're probably going to have to search again for your next hit because I don't think this was it. Yeah, I think, I think this one was a little bit more of a miss. And so that, that rounds out the top five. Should be a little bit more competitive next week as well, just with Aladdin opening up, Brightburn opens up, and uh, Booksmart. So mm-hmm. I'd imagine we'll have a pretty different top five. And then for the rest of the summer, the top five will probably rotate in and out at a much quicker rate. We won't have... Too many giants like Endgame that stick on for you know the next six weeks. Um, yeah, I agree. Um, but um, bef- yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, go ahead. Before, uh, yeah, before we move on, uh, just going to another couple films that opened this week. The Sun is also a star. Didn't crack the top five, but it did crack the top ten with a little bit over two point six million. Um, and that's another teen romantic comedy. Um, I didn't see it, but I know. You had some thoughts about it, Nick? Yeah, oof. Uh, this movie tanked. Um, two, over 2,000 screens, only 2 million. That's that's not really good. And this movie, it, it leans more. It's definitely a romance movie first. Uh, there's not. It's just a very straightforward. Um, girls, and, and it's just, we've seen this movie. Just two beautiful people come together. They fall in love. Only this time, they only have one day to do it because the girl's family is going to get deported the next day, and that's just weird. I don't. I'm. I very much am all for love, but if you're going to fall in love with someone in one day, I'm. That's. I question your life choices. (laughs) But this, uh, I I expected this movie to do a lot better. It's based on a really popular book. I'm pretty sure it was a New York uh, New York Times bestseller. Um, So I don't really know why this movie didn't do as well um it's it's hovering around 50 percent ish which isn't terrible for these type of like faultless like fault in our stars-esque um star-crossed lovers uh romance movies uh we saw five feet apart earlier this year which i loathe but hey it was kind of had similar (laughs) reviews similar reaction and it actually was like a pretty decent hit uh definitely it was pretty cheap to make and it really did well and, and this movie I, I thought it was gonna do the same but it's kind of going the same route where it's only it only cost nine million to make so it's not the end of the world but like yeah 2.6 the start isn't great and i don't really see much catching on after that so i the uh, warner brothers wasn't <laughs> was not happy with this one uh so uh, it's sorry sorry uh romance fans yeah i don't see this uh gaining any momentum <laughs> yeah just kidding it's gonna be the number one grocer next week it's gonna make five billion dollars next week it will have passed avatar it's, <laughs> it's the sleeper we've all been waiting for uh, <laughs> absolutely and then moving on a24 also had a new release this week with the souvenir um, and it only opened in four theaters, so it was pretty much just the premiere. Um, so box office-wise, yeah, it's not going to compete with numbers because when you only have four theaters, you don't really have that much money that can come in. Um, but A24 just kind of doing their thing again. This is a uh, Tilda Swinton film, I believe. Mm-hmm. I'm not terribly familiar with it, but... 
Yeah, it's a. I saw this movie back at Sundance in January, and it's really, really great. It's one of the better films I saw there. Uh, it has a way of sticking around. Um, the director of the movie, uh, Joanna Hogg, I've listened to her talk about this movie a lot, and she really likes subtlety in her movies. Uh, which this movie is incredibly subtle. It's just people talking to each other for two hours. There's no like acting, like capital A acting that you would see <laughs> in a lot of these. Uh, it's just really subtle. And if the first, it's like two hours long. When I first left the theater, I thought, okay, that was about half an hour or too long, but pretty solid. And then I just kept thinking about it. And that feeling just never got away. It just, it just found a way to get under my skin, which I found really interesting. And I've really fallen in love with this movie ever since. Um, as you mentioned, it's Tilda Swinton and her daughter in her in her first movie. Her name's Honor uh, Swinton Byrne, um, and she's just—you'll fall in love with her instantly. She's just lovely and really charming. Um, so it's those two together, and this, yeah, this is a really good movie. I mean, I this could I could see this being another A twenty four movie that goes out into too many theaters, and it's just it's not your typical romance movie. It's not, the sun is also a star. <laughs> um, it's just people just talking and there's a lot underneath, a lot of subtext to what they're saying. And uh, it's just a really fascinating movie that I hope people check out in future weeks. I really, really enjoyed this movie. So uh, it's really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Whenever it, uh, I don't know if it'll come to my city, but, I'll probably catch it, catch it online afterwards. Mm-hmm. And then, and yeah, there's not just a ton of activity going on outside of the top five, really. Um, yeah, breakthroughs still pulling in. All right, million dollar numbers. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I but do everything... want to mention. I do want to mention one last thing that I forgot to throw by you actually, but I actually got I saw an early screening of Booksmart uh, on Friday. So this is just a little sneak preview for this week. And Booksmart is probably going to be one of my favorite movies of the year. This movie is hilarious. Um, it's Olivia Wilde's directorial debut and just stars a lot of really fun, interesting young actors, that most of which you haven't seen before. Um, but, yeah, we'll talk about that movie more next week when it comes out wide. But I really, really loved that movie. And I hope I – hope, I'm pleading to everyone to go see it because it's really great. And I think it has a chance to be like – the big, like the next big coming of age movie if people see it. So fingers crossed on that one. But yeah, I just wanted to mention that really quickly. Yeah. Next week will actually be pretty competitive. We have Aladdin, uh, Brightburn comes out and then Booksmart as well. So it'll be, I mean, it's not, the films aren't competitive with each other really because they're pretty different Mm -hmm. audiences. Um, But just in terms of what all's coming out um, the week after that, same thing we have Moz, uh, Rocket Man, and Godzilla. And so we're really starting to get into the the competitive part and the the top five won't be as predictable anymore. It could be anybody's yeah, game. Um, yeah, I'm really interested to see what especially what happens next week, because Aladdin is just I don't really know what to think about that movie. I haven't really heard any advanced word. It could be great, could be terrible. I don't know. I don't really know what the turnout's going to be. I'm sure a lot of people will see it, but I don't know if it's going to go nuts if it doesn't get the good reviews. I think people, a lot of people are waiting on to see what early word is on it first before making the decision. Um, and Brightburn is another interesting little film that I think could do solid numbers too. It's 
kind of the horror version of Superman's origin. So that's kind of interesting, but uh, it does come from Screen Gems, who doesn't? They don't make a lot of great films, in my estimation. But uh, we'll see. That's it's it's definitely yeah. You know, Godzilla coming after that, and Rocket Man is getting good reviews. So yeah, this is we're really starting to heat up. Right around Memorial Day is when things start to get crazy. So we'll see. It's definitely really interesting. Yeah, and I've I've heard pretty good reviews to Rocket Man so far, and because it's. Mm-hmm. Almost the exact same team that was behind Bohemian Rhapsody, um, but all yeah. of the reviews that I've heard at this point have been basically saying that it's Bohemian Rhapsody, but they don't pull the punches, uh, which I think yeah. will be really interesting. They had Elton John on board with this. Uh, Taron Edgerton is, I think, a phenomenal actor. I have no doubt together he and Elton really broke down Elton as a character, so I'm really excited to see what they do with that. Yeah, as far as Aladdin goes, I don't really know. The... Uh, the trailer's kind of grown on me, but I don't really know what they can add to Aladdin to make it that much better in live action. So I'm kind of kind of just going to wait and see on that one. Yeah, I feel like that's the issue that we come into with a lot of these live action remakes, which is kind of why I've just started to kind of lose interest. It's, it's, it's a tough line because a lot of them, it's either if you change too much and fans of the animated movie get really angry, and then if you try to be really faithful to it. Then you have a f- bunch of critics like me saying, why didn't you change anything? And this is pointless and such a, it's a soulless cash grab. And it's really tough, but and the, most of these have made a lot of money for Disney. So I guess you can't really argue there. Uh, but it's definitely interesting. I mean, Will Smith is doing his Will Smith thing. And um, I, I don't know. <laughs> this is definitely going to be one of the more hit. This could be, probably the most high variance movie of the summer could it could kill make over a billion dollars or I, I could also see a future where this tanks really poorly so i don't know we'll see yeah i think it could go either way i don't think it's gonna pull lion king numbers but i i really don't know <laughs> yeah i this it's so it's just such a oddity just from what, mm-hmm. all the stuff that's come out of it i yeah i have no i can't i have no gauge for this at all yeah, so we, who knows? I mean, Disney's already grossing all their billions between Endgame and Captain Marvel, Star Wars coming up. Um, so it could just kind of get lost in the shuffle, especially as they all they have everything on Fox's plate now. Um, but it could also be a huge hit that everyone talks about for years and years. But maybe not. <laughs> Probably not. I don't know. I have no idea. Who knows? Well, even... Even Jungle Book, when that came out in in 2016, you know that made over a billion dollars and nobody remembers it. And yeah. that's so weird. <laughs> I honestly think it's it's one of the better remakes. I think it's actually better than the original. And I think mm-hmm. th- that's mainly due to just John Favreau being John Favreau, and he really kind of connected everything together. Whereas in the the cartoon version, everything is just almost vignette after vignette. And they actually turned it into a meaningful story. And so hopefully they'll start to do more of that with like Aladdin and with the Lion King. But you also get to the point where like Aladdin and the Lion King are like Disney's top films, Uh, just like how good they are, how much people love them. And so I don't really understand what all Guy Ritchie is going to be able to add or even Jon Favreau is going to be able to add to Lion King here in a couple months. 
Yeah, I think when we've when we've seen these movies really succeed is when they've had that really strong directorial hand behind it. What what I think my favorite is the Kenneth Branagh of Cinderella with Lily James. I think that's really just a really solid film. And so you have yeah, you have Favreau and Branagh just doing just putting their touch on these movies and just doing something a little different and or a lot different in the case of the Jungle Book, but it's just I think they have a little more room to play. I mean, I mean, Cinderella is so classic, but you can you can do. I feel like you can do a little more with those properties at this point. But uh, yeah, Aladdin. Uh, this is Guy Ritchie coming off of King Arthur: Legend of the Sword, <laughs> uh, <laughs> which I mean, that movie was in production hell for, for so many years, and it was just a Frankenstein monster of a film. But I don't. I Guy Ritchie is just such an odd filmmaker, and he's so hit or hit or miss. I just I don't know. It could. It could fall really flat on their face. Uh, it's just, it's, it's just very weird to me. Yeah, it'll, it'll be an interesting weekend. Yep. And yeah, I think that kind of wraps everything up for today. And then, we'll, yeah, we'll be back next week with Aladdin, Brightburn, and Booksmart. And Avengers will probably inch ever closer to Avatar's record. But until then, we'll. Guess the box office will be anybody's game next weekend. Thanks again for listening to this episode of the Movie Babble Podcast. And feel free to check us out online at moviebabblereviews.com. And check us out next week as we break down the opening weekend of Brightburn, Booksmart, and Aladdin.